Well, greetings, Building Peace Initiative fans. Um, welcome back at to you want a piece of me online dot com. Now, this podcast is going to provide you with some more information or building blocks that will help help you to build a foundation to support the discipline and practice of peace. Now, thus far in this series, we've went over the mission of the Building Peace Initiative, the Compassionate Communication Guidelines. Um, we hope to keep connections with people, even though we may have different perceptions or beliefs. And again, to listen with the express intent of hearing what the other person has to say without judgment. Um, to build common ground and the pathways for reconciliation, if we can. We talked about mindfulness and meditation. This helps us to calm our mind and body so we don't lose our minds. And we can basically see clearly and respond to people's suffering in our own. Remember, we want to practice an informed, assertive compassion. Um, let's see. Oh, while keeping an open mind and an open heart. And today we'll be addressing nonviolent communication as developed by Marshall Rosenberg. Now this fits in nicely with what we're doing. It's based on the works of Carl Rogers. Um, and for you psych people, remember humanism? Uh, Carl Rogers talked about unconditional positive regard, uh, no judgment, and reflective listening. This doesn't mean holding people accountable or the mistake that people make with compassion. They think it's um, weak that you're going to let people get away with anything. That's not the case here. But uh, this approach works. Now, I first encountered this one when I was in undergraduate over at SUNY Geneseo uh, with a professor. And by that time, I had become a serious student by my second senior year. Hey, at $1,200 a semester, if I remember correctly, for room, board, and tuition, you could take a little time to figure out what you wanted to do. But the class was basically, um, I think it was uh, humanism was with the class. And uh, you had to decide what grade you wanted, an A, B, C, D, E, or F. And he would give you a reading list that correlated with each one. And of course, I picked an A. And you'd meet with him a few times during the semester to basically have him ask some questions about the readings. He, interestingly, was taught directly by Carl Rogers. And he spent most of his time at working at Attica Prison, which was a really high-intensity prison, uh, helping people to um, adjust to prison life, read, write. Um, now, I really, you know, I was an exceptionally quiet student, so I would never ask, go up to a professor and ask them to, um, you know, talk with me a little bit about something, which was a mistake at that time, and I really wish I had taken the time to get to know him, because he probably had a lot to offer. Just a couple of the books that I ran across, um... In that class was Eric Fromm, An Anatomy of Human Destructiveness. It's a stunningly good book. They actually talk about things like um, malignant narcissism. Uh, an old book that I think was called On Disobedience, and it's a sh really short one, but it's intriguing and definitely worth a read. So, after I got out of school, after not having that great of a time in my undergraduate career, I said, geez, i got to put this into practice, so I started to look for volunteer work. And one of the things I happened upon was a crisis intervention hotline. And wouldn't you know it, the focus of what they were doing was reflective listening. And that continues to be the foundation of what I do. Listening uh, to understand and trying to build empathy between people. Um, at least when I'm not mad. <laughs> if I get mad, I lapse back into old ways of communicating sometimes. But, you know, over, over the years it's gotten better. Uh, if I feel like I'm off, I just stay quiet. 
I visualize people like, let's say, Nelson Mandela telling me to keep your long-term goals in sight uh, and don't say or do anything that'll make the situation worse. Now, if he can manage 27 years of incarceration and come out motivated to work for human rights instead of being consumed with anger, um, I can try and lose my mind when someone... I can try and not lose my mind when someone cuts me off in traffic. Uh, These first-world problems uh, can be a challenge because that's what we're used to on a daily basis. Uh, Hey, for some fun, watch the video. This is Water by David Foster Wallace. Uh, It's on YouTube. Uh... Choose the one that's 9 minutes and 22 seconds long, uh, the one that starts with a goldfish on it, and you'll see how that relates to what I said about Mandela. We get in a, we live in a world where we don't really have an awareness of anything other, other than what we have experienced. So sometimes we need to find ways to step out of it. <sighs> All right, so creating connection with empathy uh, is the foundation for establishing what's known as a therapeutic or working alliance. Now, I did a lot of years doing therapy with people, group, individual, family, family work. Um, I said that twice because that's so much fun. Uh, And also uh, program development now. Empathy is the major indicator in therapeutic success. If you can establish empathy, uh, you're going to do better with people because they feel as though they're understood. And this applies to anyone. I mean, medical professionals, how many are you going in? You really don't tell them exactly what's going on because you're afraid of being judged. What if we train people to take the time to actually engage you so they could come in and tell you uh, what the real difficulties are? Um, After searching around a bit, I had the fortune of running into a motivational interviewing training, and it was a training to train people to be trainers. Let's say that five times fast. Um, And uh, William uh, and Steve, (laughs) William Miller and Steve Rolnick uh, were the ones who wrote the book on motivational interviewing. And they actually accepted me in, um, which was pretty fascinating. And guess what their focus was in seeking to engage people in a process of change? Well, reflective listening and empathy. So from there, I not, not too long after that one, I ran into Thich Nhat Hanh and his monks um, after doing a bit of searching. And um, I probably mentioned it before that I... Ended up at Blue Cliff Monastery. I'm not a Buddhist. Uh, But I really like what they do. And their capacity to listen with the express intent of understanding is fascinating. Uh, They also have an ethical system called the 5 and 14 Mindfulness Trainings. Um, And again, they focus on compassion and listening so that they can reduce other people's suffering. Now I'm going to invite the little bell of mindfulness so I don't go too fast. I invite this. We breathe in and out three times together. And I'll continue. Yeah, Blue Cliff remind me of the Bell of Mindfulness. Uh, so now on to nonviolent communication. Um, I use Rosenberg's book. I'm going to take a sip of tea. Not bad. A little too sweet, but first world problems. Well, I use Rosenberg's book, Nonviolence Communica- Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life, as one of the texts in three of my classes, uh, Diversity in America, Sociology of Human Rights, and Building Peace, History, Theory, and Practice. Oh, by the way, I'm like really happy today. The EPA has taken a look at environmental justice. They're actually going to have a group 
to uh, deal with that. And I put together an eco-psychology class a, some time ago that some people said was fluff. Well, yeah, I'm looking pretty smart right now, ain't I? And that's to all those people out there who don't value this sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> so, I'm also offering some... Um, I wouldn't call it training just yet. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, but basically offering uh, some information to a workplace of about, I think, 150 people to help them change their culture from a Taylorism approach. Remember Taylor, 1910, uh, to management that is a bit more relevant. Uh, there's a lot of literature out there on compassionate management that I've taken a look at. So, if you want to start out, Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life by Rosenberg. Um, that's a book that you can begin with. It's actually uh, online, and also you can get it for free, if I remember right, uh, with a download. And you can listen to podcasts. Not, not podcasts, but YouTube videos uh, with him. There's also a workbook that can be used, Nonviolent Communication Companion, and that's by Lucy Liu. Now, understanding his approach takes both reading and practice, so I've posted some materials on your website, you want a piece of me online.com. Now, Rosenberg's talks can be a bit dry, and uh, they're about an hour long, uh, except his book is broken into like 10 minute sections. It's a little more doable for people. But some of the ones, like his one training that's one to nine sessions long, they're an hour long. And I think uh, for a lot of people, unless you're really motivated to do, do, to do this, it uh, can be problematic. So. <clears throat> Make sure you find a partner to practice with when you do this, too, because if you do it on yourself, you're going to be out there on an island, um, and people are not going to know what you're doing. However, you can just start to slowly institute the way you change your thinking, so somewhere between, or your speaking, too, so somewhere between the compassionate communication guidelines and Rosenberg's uh, approach, you can have some success. So what is nonviolent communication? Well, here's some quotes from Marshall Rosenberg. Uh, the objective of nonviolent communication is not to change people and their behavior in order to get our way. It's to establish relationships based on honesty and empathy, which will eventually fulfill everyone's needs. Now, this is really crucial because um, the workplace I was talking about, they're a bit authoritarian, to say the least. So people can sometimes use this as an opportunity to manipulate people. And again, when people go to uh, trainings through the non nonviolent communication trainings, they should understand this. Um, here's another one. Every criticism, judgment, diagnosis, and expression of anger is the tragic expression of an unmet need. You know, if you ask people what their needs are, you find out some really interesting things. I mean, how many of you during the day ask, uh, so what are your needs? Or as an employer, so what do you need? How can I be help you do your job? Um, and here's another one. When our communication supports compassionate giving and receiving, happiness replaces violence. Uh, I think that's a pretty cool one, too. So I'm going to cough now. <coughs> Excuse me, allergies. Okay, so here's a perspective. Nonviolence means allowing the positive within you to emerge. Um, be dominated by love, respect, understanding, appreciation, compassion, and concern for others rather than self-centered and selfish, greedy, hateful, prejudiced, suspicious, and aggressive attitudes that dominate our thinking. <clears throat> well, that's a whole lot to take in. Um, so hopefully that gave you a little bit of a flavor of what he is um, talking about. All right. 
So let's talk about the four components of nonviolent communication. Uh, this is right from his book. The first one is the concrete actions we observe that affect our well-being, and that includes what's actually happening, and we'll articulate our observation without judgment or evaluation. Um, feelings, how we feel in relation to what we observe. Uh, we often state how we feel when we observe this action, and this stuff is pretty tricky, and like I say, needs to be practiced. Needs, the needs, values, desires that create our feelings, um, and our needs connected to the feelings we have identified. I always think of workplaces. I mean, people want to perform well, and sometimes they'll be undermined. They'll feel like the boss isn't listening to them. So one thing could say is, hey, you know, when I was talking about this, uh, I felt as though you weren't fully accepting what I had to say. And when you say that, I feel diminished. Um, I would really like you to listen to what I have to say. Um, so could we please spend a few minutes speaking about um, what I started talking about a little while ago? Now that's going to come out kind of weird if you don't practice it. And if your boss is not involved with it, it's going to be problematic for them too. And it's not getting about getting what we want, and that's crucial, but about creating a better relationship. And then there's the two parts of nonviolent communication. Expressing honestly through the four components and receiving empathically through the four components. I don't, I don't have much of a problem with this one. Um, I do have a bit of a problem when I express something honestly to somebody, you know, in a reasonable way, and they discount it. Uh, if you want to injure a person and evoke negative feelings in them, don't listen to them and dismiss them. It's a major issue with people. So this entire practice uh, focuses on... The four components, as I said, and two parts of nonviolent communication. And it may sound simple, doesn't it? But it's harder to you th than you think. So make sure you are patient with yourself. Otherwise, um, you're going to find yourself being frustrated and giving it up. Uh, and that's the other piece, too. You don't want to be frustrated with this. It's taken you X number of years to uh, learn the patterns of communication that you have. And it's going to take you bit of time to unwind it. So for those of you who are very uh, hard on yourselves, uh, basically try and disengage from that and give yourself some self-compassion and some flexibility with this. The other part is just don't give up because it doesn't work right away. I mean, persistence is really important. Uh, and if you run into some stumbling blocks, you know, normally you'll pick someone who's really not willing to be open to listening and you'll try this and It'll go badly. Uh, pick people who you have some chance of success with. In fact, even tell someone, hey, significant other, um, I want to try changing our communication. What do you think? And they'll look at you a little bit funny. Uh, maybe you could start out with some simple ones. You know, and The example I always think is when you get into a car and you um, don't know where you want to go for dinner and it ends up in an argument. Well, what if we made a list of places and before we went out, we um, decided where we want to go. Problem solved. Uh, but again, very often people don't want to express their needs for any number of reasons. Um, not the least of which I said earlier is not being heard. So that's a start. And that's about it for today. Like I said, I want to keep these to about 15 minutes. Uh, next week, we'll continue to work on developing a set of resources and skills so that we can be agents of change. In the meantime, let's give ourselves and others some peace.
Oh, forgot the bell almost. <laughs>